0: Ladies and gentlemen, investors and investees, this is Nick's Nonfiction, I am Nick Bunez. Today we have got The Big Short. Hey yo, Michael Moneybag Lewis, he likes his shouties big. The Big Short, we're learning about the absurdity of Wall Street and investment banking from an inside trader. Michael Lewis, he worked in the London office of Salomon Brothers, that was the Black Tuesday 1980s crash. He's rubbing elbows with oil titans, chumming it up with downtown brokers in Manhattan. We're going to pick up where we left off with Liar's Poker. Quote, Everything changed in 2007 when an obscure analyst named Meredith Whitney made a big prediction. The bank Citigroup is in rough shape and will need to slash its dividends or go bust. Citigroup is about to bust in that cash. (laughs) That was exactly what happened four days later. They cream-pied the whole market. In the movie, Christian Bale made the prediction. The movie is badass. It's got Steve Carell, Michael Scott is at the helm, Ryan Gosling, uh, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. Yeah, this isn't about finance, it's about hot people. Back to the Lady Nostradamus tip: individuals made over 25 million. There was this guy, John Paulson, he made 20 billion off the 08 crash. They were betting against the house. It's a story about inflation and the back doors of Wall Street. Inflation. Whoever has kept Arizona iced tea at $1, that guy should be in charge of inflation. (laughs) China, they had their Evergrande real estate bubble bust. We'll talk about the housing market today. I can't say I didn't call this all last year, 2021, anatomy of the crash. My chicken hasn't gone down in price. I eat chicken and rice every day, and it's like $14 a pound now. I gotta go back to potatoes. What do you call a potato on a carousel? A rotato. Can't say I didn't call it. (laughs) About to summarize some Michael Lewis, make it fun, end his trifecta after a meme. About the author Michael Lewis... We've done it twice, we're not doing it again. Michael, you're going on hiatus. Make sure you're checking out patreon.com slash the niche. Get all your bonus content over there. A real blue chip. Also, the memes with the best premises in town. Harry Schwant over on Instagram. (laughs) The big short we're talking, you know what I say to a short girl before we have sex? Bone a petite. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, one more meme. The Big Short Chapter 1 In the Land of the Blind Michael Lewis is telling the story. It starts with a personal experience on Wall Street. He's 24 years old. He lands a job with Salomon Brothers. Though he felt very unprepared, I worked there for three years before leaving, mostly out of a sense that the situation seemed unstable. Michael is a 24-year-old. He knew that he's sitting on a house of cards. To give you a parallel, Of what tech was up to in 2008. You ever hear the whistleblower Tristan Harris? He built the early Gmail, which we are all still using. They learned that notifications hack your attention to a tune of 23 minutes. It's something like you cannot get back into deep focus for at least 20 minutes when you're getting hit with notifications. I've had my do not disturb mode on for like three years at this point. It robs your attention. And Wall Street is just robbing little bits of money on every single home equity loan, mortgages, and business loans. That wasn't the best example, but money's kind of boring. Michael Lewis is our Tristan Harris for the day. Remember how Michael Lewis broke in Liars Poker, the three six three rule? Secure Fed dollars at less than 3%, loan the money at 6%, and then be on the golf course by 3 (laughs) p.m. None of this is legal. And when you say the words, it confuses people. You'll see later the entire point is to confuse people so they turn away. Oh, I can't understand that. You're being robbed. That's all you have to understand. They're stealing your attention. They're stealing your money. The narrative for the book starts when Michael Lewis meets with Whitney, the prediction lady. She saw Citigroup hucking bullshit loans from the start. Michael Lewis was doing the same thing with Salomon and they went defunct in 2003 less than half a decade later they're running the same gamut (laughs) and yo look at the stock tickers Citigroup is still trading at $50 a share somewhere around there why are we still letting them play the game they were cheaters Michael and Whitney they're both suspecting that something is up in the market 2007 they meld together try to find this whole group of people. Michael Lewis starts with his fucking Michael Tarantino storyline. Flipping around here, quote, Steve Eisman's parents worked at Oppenheimer Securities as brokers. They managed to find him a new job at their company instead. Yeah, this is royalty, nepotism. This company was one of the last of old-fashioned Wall Street firms. Mm, Old money. And felt more like a small family business than a large corporation. You see, we have to set up some story. I have so many rants to go on about how I traded with Robin Hood. Old money versus new money. That's one of the main plot lines of history. It's still playing out. Quote, Oppenheimer valued people who dared to be different and bold. Eisman was good at this. He was known to be brash and rude. He said whatever he was thinking about, even if it may have seemed inappropriate to other people. For example... When evaluating the group Lomas Financial, he wrote that it loses money in every conceivable interest rate environment, even though the company claimed to investors that it was stable. You just lie to your investors. This is corruption. Eisman would stand up for all the underdogs, so he becomes known as able to predict the whatever. This is Steve Carell in the movie, so we'll be calling him Michael Scott at the helm of Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> Mortgage bond market making a big return. He's saying, quote, instead, a mortgage bond is based on cash that comes from a pool of thousands of individual home mortgages. This is a pretty big quote. Not trying to get technical and lose you here. But a mortgage bond comes from a pool of thousands of individuals. Kind of like the Powerball lottery. Quote, investors don't know how long their investments in home loans would last but do know that they will get their money back only when interest rates fall and mortgage borrowers can refinance more cheaply. So you know a Ponzi scheme. You can't take your money out until some new chump puts his money in. The bonds can't be refinanced until another sucker. I'm just going to keep saying the same thing, bro. This is all a pyramid scheme. Period. But all the economists are profiting off of it, and they made fancy words, so... You're not smart enough to understand it. Black Monday, 1987. The Goldman bailout, 2008. Fucking Black Tuesday in 1920. These are the lowest points in the wash cycle. Get with the fucking... We're in the laundromat together. It's a club. Investors end up with cash that they can invest at lower interest rates. There's literally... Nothing, all of our money is losing value at a certain time. And we'll get to it later. When the Fed is lowering interest rates, that's your sign to go in. Quote, the buyers of the first tranche would get hit with the first wave of mortgage payments, but would also get a higher interest rate in exchange. The owner of the second tranche took the next wave and the next highest interest rate and so on. We're building the pyramid. (laughs) Think. Think. The only way to reset the house price back to normal is for something bad to happen. War. (laughs) I don't know what's coming. I don't have a crystal ball. Something bad needs to happen to reset the wash cycle. And like in 2008, it was cultural Marxism. You guys don't care about money. Occupy Wall Street. Go fight about gender politics. And we've been doing it for 14 years. Jesus, it works. What are they giving us next? You know, maybe 2020 was the reset. I don't know. Um, millennials, we not only missed out on the free house scam of the 2000s, <laughs> we can't default on our student loans. We got fucking shafted here. Remember the Liars Poker was about the Sally May loans? It was called Fannie Mae back then. But they changed the name, so it's a new thing. It's the same fucking scam. Fanny Mae, Sally Mae, fuck yourself. They hate us. We are the first generation in history to have a debt that cannot be defaulted. Go to jail for 20 years, your student loan is still waiting for you. Even medieval kings forgave debt. <laughs> they might cut your fingers off, but your debt was forgiven. Steve Eisman. He's about to be pushing these subprime boor- bullshit mortgages to a destitute class of people. <laughs> this is medieval feudalage. Eisman, he's hiding numbers uh, with this other guy, Vincent Daniel. Quote, Eisman originally put off hiring him for two months while dealing with the death of his infant son. Yeah, you're not getting me to feel bad for this guy, Michael Lewis. He lo- Maybe that's karma. This incident changed Iceman's outlook, making him more cynical and willing to believe the worst of people in situations. He Even the scale there. Maybe this guy is a sociopath because he lost a child, so he doesn't mind ripping off grandmothers. Quote, though he didn't know anything about mortgage-backed securities to begin with, Daniel taught himself enough to recognize that these companies did not disclose their delinquency rate of home loans that they were making. Because they did not want to admit to how high the risk of their business really was. They lie to investors. Did not disclose the delinquency rate. It's all projections. <laughs> it's like how they estimate climate change. I thought Miami was supposed to be underwater by 2020. Their faking predictive models are bullshit. Sam Harris. This guy is supposed to be... An anti-hero in the book, Steve Carell. (laughs) Like, even Jeffrey Epstein had a more moral mentality. Steal from the rich. Eisman's motto is screw the poor. Fuck that, I'm on Team Epstein. He stole from the rich. Gang, gang. Epstein didn't kill himself. It shows you what matters. Goldman Sachs gets bailed out for screwing the poor. And the guy who stole from the rich... (laughs) boy oh boy was he made an example of let's go to chapter two how to harvest migrant workers i think we got six chapters today this one starts in 2004 investor michael burry got involved in the bond market he taught himself how subprime mortgages worked in order to learn how to short them meaning bet against their success burry owned scion capital Still didn't understand bonds. This is Christian Bale in the movie. He's the anti-social one attuned to the numbers. Quote, Burry had originally been a doctor, but spent much of his time learning about the stock market. He finally quit the medical field to open Scion Capital and got drawn further into financial thanks to the immediate incredible success. He's a doctor. So again, another reason to not feel bad. You're trying to understand counterfeit. Bury's claim to fame, he was especially interested in credit default swaps, insurance policies that had fixed terms for paying them off, meaning that you could only lose as much as you put in, but could make many times more if the company you invested in defaulted on its own debt within that fixed term. Since two thousand four, after Solomon that's been banned, these default swaps <laughs> give it a new name and run the same scam. Quote Burry was able to involve his hedge fund in betting against the subprime mortgage thanks to his particular policies and the trust he had built up over time. You watch the whole movie, it's a slow burn. Like every other investor thinks that Burry is crazy for shorting the market. The big shart. It's not the best ethics you're betting against your own country. Who cares? (laughs) We're past morality at this. There's the scene at the end of the big short where Scion's position goes green. Everyone on the floor is dancing. Michael Burry bursts into his office. Have some composure. We just won millions of dollars off of Americans being homeless. Who cares? (laughs) As early as 2005, Deutsche Bank bought back six credit default swaps. We're getting the whole world involved in our BS Big banks knew since 2005 the crash was imminent, but individual brokers were still falling for the narrative. Scion Capital is one of the ones that took the leap. Quote, Lipman's braggadocious and self-confident personality tended to alienate people he worked with, but endeared him to Eisman. He knew that shorting the mortgage bond would be a wise move. Okay, so now Christian Bale is meeting up with Michael Scott. Because she has the guru on their side. So we got a group of three people that are shorting the market. Pretty interesting here. Eisman starts working with Eugene Zhu, a Chinese analyst who's providing him with hard data. Michael Lewis goes, how can a guy who can't speak English lie? Some signature Michael Lewis dry humor. You might as well trade in the Chinese market because different firms use different languages for the same bonds, that's what I'm saying. The words I don't want to confuse you here because they try to confuse each other. They're speaking different languages. Go trade in the Chinese market. It's no difference. It's more volatile there. You'll make more money. You know where I like to trade? <laughs> at the grocery store. Hey, what's ham trading at? Ten ninety nine a pound. Oh, prosciutto's over ten dollars a share. It's a market. <laughs> Some fuckery is going on behind the counter so to speak of wall street <laughs> they're tainting the meat at this point the federal reserve was adjusting interest rates of home loans right the bubble is going to deflate quote they had bought 50 billion in triple b rated subprime mortgages it's like the same thing as a default swap but now they're called a and b for consumers to understand they had a high likely to give low ratings. The Fed starts printing money at this point because they know the crash is coming too. We don't really have private banks. They're working in tandem with these public banks. The Federal Reserve is an external U.S. body. Like, I don't want to spurg out too much. Quote, Greg Lipman realized early on the Goldman Sachs must be buying cheap insurance on subprime mortgages from AIG. He recognized that this meant Goldman had transferred to AIG, the responsibility of all future losses. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Goldman knew they were taking a loss, so they bought insurance, and then they got bailed out. They made money off of it. Maybe the most important point of the chapter here, Goldman had also created a security system so complex that no investor or credit rating agency would fully understand it. The synthetic subprime mortgage bond-backed CDO, or collateralized debt obligation, was invented to redistribute the risk of corporate and government bond defaults. Again, in tandem, corporate and government bond defaults are being tangled, but was now being used to do something very different, disguise the risk of subprime mortgage loans. Shit, man. This would be like a casino was lying about their odds of blackjack. They're stacking the deck. Quote, they claim that the hundred ground floors gathered from a hundred different some mortgages. For this reason, in fact, they were still the same quality. A-rated. B-rated. It's the same garbage. Michael Lewis calls it a machine that turns lead into gold. towards the end of the chapter here for those like michael burry who had bought credit default swaps it was as though they had bought fire insurance on a slum with a history of burning down (laughs) we should move houses we keep electing the same people to fix the slum quote this new market synthetic cdo meant there was no limit on the size of risk associated with subprime mortgage lending in other words to make a billion dollar bet You did not need to accumulate a billion dollars worth of actual mortgage loans. You just had to find someone else in the market willing to take on the other side of the bet. Someone dumb who you could lie to the odds about. That's cheating. They're cheating. End of story. Like, crypto is only accelerating this, guys. I don't know if you see it. I'll try to... Satoshi Nakamoto... Whoever Lippman's insider was, Yoko Ono over in China, they're doing the same house of cards. People just have faith in America more at the moment, which is being kamikaze. And uh, what was the name of the chapter? Migrant workers who don't follow the rules. That was the whole thing in the movie where they went to Florida and gave Mexican immigrants houses they couldn't afford. Chapter three, accidental capitalists. Lipman, he's hitting the road. Quote, he noticed a front page story in the Wall Street Journal. Lippman, New Century took note of how high the company's dividend was. When he did more research into the company, he realized that it owned a large amount of subprime mortgages of frightening poor quality. This new money company, New Century, pops up and they're doing Lipman's business model. More people are getting on the grift. Lippman is going, yeah, this is a viable business model. Let's go back to New York and scam people. Quote, if U.S. homeowners began to default in greater numbers, there would not be enough capital to cover the losses that would result. Lippman Eisman in Manhattan, quote, by doing such close investigation of mortgage loans, you ended up doing the kind of detailed credit analysis that should have been done before loans were made in the first place. (laughs) they know what they're doing they were already selling the loans it's all just corruption quote eisman and daniel found out that the bonds backed by mortgages most likely to default tended to be located in sand states this is california florida nevada arizona the housing prices is rising we don't care about the ups and downs anymore lot of fake money in california nevada arizona Thin file and thick file scores for credit worthiness of individuals were coming to be known as FICO scores. Credit scores? What even is that, bro? That's your new social credit system. It's so banks can trust you. It's You should probably know who your banker is. I'm talking about a different world here. (laughs) Yeah, man. Eisman and Daniel ended up meeting face-to-face again. They're talking about s ratings. Let's go with this big quote to end the chapter. From this meeting, they learned that these agencies had no idea what they were doing, and they were rating some identical bonds, triple A and the same triple B. A bag of lies. Chapter 4, Spider-Man at the Venetian. By now, Lipman is convinced that 10 other firms at the max see the truth. Quote, he presented the trade not as guaranteed windfall, but an oncoming catastrophe. Lipman is taking the deal over to Scion Capital. The fucking Brad Pitt is taking it over to Christian Bale. Like, let's make this about modern day. Fuck these 2008. We know how the story ends. Gary Vee. This guy talks about finance losing passion in 2008. That's his whole take on the crash. Like, what makes a good salesman is believing in their product. From 2005 to 2008, no one had passion left, as Gary V says. He calls modernity comic book culture. And, like I've been saying, if you could read meme trends, you could read the stock market. The dollar is worth as much as people believe in it. Gary, all these fucking stock market soothsayers, they think the boom-bust cycle will have higher peaks and lower crests. So it's not all downhill. You just got to learn. You can start making money, he thinks. I say we fucking ditch our chains here. I'm talking about knowing who your bank is. These people are soothsayers. They have better positions already. I would never pump up Bitcoin bro stocks. You know what I'm saying? Quote, Eisman figured out that Capital One was hiding information on subprime loans and might not be as solid as it had claimed to be. Same thing, unlike many of their previous bets, this one seemed to not even include much risk since the disaster seems so assured. (laughs) They're positive it's going to crash. There's better scenes in the book coming up. Yeah, this chapter was about Las Vegas. Lipman thinks he's Spider Man. Quote, Lipman had encountered a new issue. Although U.S. house prices were failing and prime mortgages were rising, the price of insuring them was somehow holding firm. It's being propped up from within for a couple more years. (laughs) There's these signifiers. Like, uh, how come all those CEOs quit before COVID? Dude, all of the information is there. If we don't care now, we never will. Quote, the AAA mortgages are brand new. How could they have already been corrupted? (laughs) Your iPhone comes out with corrupted software updates. Dude, what's it called? Planned obsolescence. (laughs) It's in our technology. It's in our money. Quote, Eisman started thinking of himself as Spider-Man. Very healthy. He saw parallels between their stories, where they had gone to college, These people are insane. As Spider-Man, he believed that he needed to work against the dark forces of companies like Deutsche Bank. Steal from the Germans. Stop stealing from Americans. (laughs) What is this, bro? Like I'm saying, we gotta care. The truth is out there. I'm trying to make it digestible. Eh, no thanks. There's a new season of Veep on Pluto TV that I have to binge. (laughs) Binge. We're done. (laughs) Quote at a conference, the CEO of Option 1 talked about subprime loans. They expected a loss rate of 5% on its loans. And Eisman confronted the CEO. That's statistically impossible. Like, (laughs) he goes, One of the major problems was that the CDO manager was one of the easiest and least respectable positions to get on Wall Street. If it had been more important of a job, maybe more competent people would take it. He's saying the evaluator in the company. No one respects this guy. (laughs) Inside Wall Street culture, everyone knows it's a grift. People like Michael Lewis, spider Eisman, they have a degree of conduct. A belief, in this case, that public officials have a bar they need to be held. Like a degree of conduct, I'm trying to explain. We need that for our bankers. Let's stop being domestically abused by the fucking drunk-ass Federal Reserve. Let's get some morals in this comic book culture. (laughs) Who's going to be the next Captain America? Politician to rescue us? Let's rescue ourselves. Chapter 5, The Long Quiet. The reason nobody believed the market would collapse is this four-word slogan, dumbed up by think tanks. Too big to fail. Lies, Eisman's mother was having trouble keeping bread on the table. I think we might be facing something like the end of Democratic capitalism. Spider-Man out here, his spidey senses tingling. The end has no end. Michael Lewis says in 2007, however, a publicly traded index of triple B rated subprime mortgages fell more than a point, which was an enormous new shift. It's finally switching directions. The brokers, they know the plane is going down. They're still stabbing holes in everybody's parachutes. If everyone goes down together, the bank won't take it. (laughs) Like, we live under socialism. The poor people have to fail so that the rich people can succeed. That sounds communist (laughs) at a certain level. Bro, we could all be millionaires or a few people could be billionaires. Quote, Wachovia, a small company that was trying to boost its reputation and size, agreed to sell cheap insurance. Even Wachovia is in on it. Ton of companies that still exist. The SEC is refusing to look into Morgan or Goldman. Bro, (laughs) they tank to Wachovia as the fall man. And the banks still get to run around and sell these subprimes wall street could dump losses on customers and make a last chunk of money from their corrupt markets before it crashed damn these quotes are the truth the biggest sign to here pretty big irony how the market became bearish bear stearns officially declares losses on subprime mortgages bro you've heard all these names cronwall capital they're in on the ponzi scheme Dude, nobody remembers, but the Panama Papers, it showed that 2005, 2008, $2 trillion were stored overseas. That was half the value of the American economy going to yachts. And then in 2020, you remember this one? They printed $2 trillion. Same exact play going down right now. We're at the bottom of the cycle. J.P. Morgan Chase and Berkshire Hathaway, the capital management group who owns Wells Fargo and Bank of America, proved like some independent research I've been doing. J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway, they're both capital management groups. They own Wells Fargo and Bank of America. That's the big duopoly. They're all subsidiaries of Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Key Bank out here in Colorado. We're in a duopoly. Fun fact, the most expensive stock in the world, Berkshire Hathaway. It trades at $537,000 per share. These capital management groups, (laughs) and I'm not going this deep today, but BlackRock, it's one of the shadow banks. So the only ones we're allowed to know about are... Berkshire, and JP. Again, I don't want to go too far off. How is a company valued at $500,000 a share? Quote, as the crash approached, Eisman stumbled across an article in Grant's Interest Rate Observer which confirmed his theory that the whole industry was ignorant and corrupt. Grant had been prophesizing disaster since the 80s, had begun looking into CDOs in 06, and after having his assistant try to understand them, he concluded people were acting too much in blind faith. Imagine if everyone put their faith into something positive. Imagine uh, a system that wasn't controlled by wicked psychopaths. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. Quote, For Burry, however, it was a frustrating example of how he was right but maintained and overlooked and mistreated. We feel so bad for you. He should have tried to warn people instead of cash out. Longer quote, still super important. But after his son was diagnosed, yeah, we should feel bad again. Or maybe there really is karma. For this first time, his oddities were packaged into diagnosis and recognizable medical conditions. This changed Burry's entire perspective on his unique personality. Over time, however, he realized the singular focus on hobbies that characterized Asperger's is what allowed him to read through subprime mortgages to know he should met- bet against them in the first place. It took him having a special son to realize it's his Asperger's that won him the gold. <laughs> Whatever, man. He dropped two of my favorite combinations of words in that quote. Singular focus. Asperger's is a superpower. (laughs) Hamburgers come out of your butt. Quote, this made it difficult for Burry to understand or sympathize with the people he was screwing over. He's a psychopath. Many investors became even angrier with him. His partners at Gotham Capital even threatened to sue him. In response, he became aggressive and blunt in his communications by letter, where he insisted that his judgment was sound. Still, people aren't believing him that it's crashing. Eisman, at this point, he bails. This is the part in the movie when Brad Pitt and him are at the bar, and he's flexing on everyone. Yeah, I'm talking to my broker. Why don't you go ahead and transfer $20 million to my secret account? And everyone at the bar is, can we rob him? How do we get this money? Up for you to decide. Are these guys Wall Street villains? 2007, June 14th. Bear Stearns went belly up. Goldman Sachs, three months later, goes the same. By June 25th, an entire system failure is underway. Chapter 6, A Death of Interest. Beautiful double entendre from Lewis there. My entire point... I don't know if I... Just pick this up when I read the books, but it seems to be the main point. Nobody cares. A death of interest. And of course, our money is worth nothing. There is no interest. (laughs) Well written. They couldn't even get people to care about the Oscars stage fight. Like, those memes were half-assed. Bro, I'm a memer. People were just cashing out on that wave and moving on. We don't even care about Hollywood. (laughs) the death of interest maybe that leads to freedom actually i'm wrong apathy is the root of evil (laughs) it's how silicon valley is skimming our attention span we don't care about anything anymore we don't even care about our money dude those guys who used to wear seats every day with the nice hats they would have been pissed they lined up outside of the banks on black tuesday the fuck are we gonna do nothing The market does choose its champions. I'm going to fucking go totally off the rails. All I do is study markets. YouTube as well is like this. Have you ever heard of selling your rights to your life? (laughs) Making a deal with the devil? Let me calm down here. Rob Deerdeck. I fuck with this guy. He tells his story online. We'll show him some respect. In 2013... A capital management group offered him a deal for 50% of all future earnings. They're going, we'll give you all of our resources available to make you the biggest success possible. It's called a 360 deal in entertainment. I don't know if you've heard about these before. Bert Kreischer is in with a capital management group. He calls himself the machine because he's a corporation. I don't know if it's a joke. Like You can't tell how smart that guy is. That's kind of the beauty. It's the future of entertainers people are just going to sell away their rights and i hope like patreon type of thing people can invest and eventually there'll be rather than giveaways actual investments like this is the way it's going is my point the market and hollywood are one in the same the capital management groups they fucking put esg scores on movies <laughs> bro they control the art rob Deerdeck turned the deal down So, uh, to end his little story there, he's not the clout hungry comic. (laughs) He lives by his philosophy of happiness. Rob Deerdeck quantifies positivity. He has his happiness ledger. I think I talked about it here. You got to spark the interest in yourself, and the money will follow in whatever fucking pursuit. I know that sounds gay. Either do what you love and get good, or sign away your creative rights and eternal soul to Berkshire Hathaway. Real talk, 360 deals, start looking behind the scenes of your entertainers. Since he had a failed call to action here, the only thing we can take away, save some money. What are we investing here? That's the secret of building wealth. I know it's not sexy, especially in our comic book culture where everything is about flexing. Yo, how gay is that? You're trying to impress other men with your shoes and your cars? GAY! Financial independence. That's the fucking coolest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, It's stoic. It's not sexy. But you gotta save your money. Quote, making money was nothing like I thought it would be. Michael Lewis is saying out of anger, Burry kicked out his funding investor. Gotham Capital Bales. Yeah, soon after that, Burry found that he lost interest in studying finance as intensely as he had in the past. Instead, he switched over to the guitar. These are the smartest men we have. And they're all getting sucked into a Ponzi scheme. We could have the best guitarists. (laughs) What else could these guys be accomplishing? It was only in March 2007 that the stock market finally began to grasp that at least $240 billion had been lost. (laughs) But no one was sure exactly who had lost it. This was part of the reason that people like Eisman, Hockett, Ledley, Daniel, Burry were dismayed rather than overjoyed that they had succeeded. There's no one's face to rub it in. They're not saying anyone lost except for Wachovia. And a couple other companies they want to snip off so Verizon could have more. (laughs) Dude, this shit is socialism. Eisman's company sells for over $100 Yeah, bro. My copy had an afterword also. Michael Lewis was saying two factors led to the 08 crash, and it will likely happen again. Number one, the obscurity of Wall Street. Having different names for the same terms... By definition, firms are speaking different languages. Trade the Chinese market. (laughs) Hold up. Number two, Michael wants to see transparency. And I want to see these motherfuckers burn to a crisp. (laughs) Satire. Yeah, man, be careful out there. At the end of the day, this is gambling in a rigged casino. You can get lucky do whatever you want actionable change we gonna save damn money there it is ladies and gentlemen the big shark michael lewis the trifecta you've seen you've come you've conquered and we're moving on next time on the show we have got a mystery edition i'm happy to be sharing the wisdom with you guys week after week it's truly an honor trying to make it as fun as possible <laughs> you see how these books are very heady why don't you go on over to instagram punch hairy shit into the search bar laugh at some free memes decompress patreon.com slash the niche thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Next on fiction we get a random soundboard effect to bring us home i like your funny words magic man not sure if i could find a gif for that one nick muniz signing off love you guys see you real soon Peace.